0: So we'll do 40 days of prayer and fasting, and we're going to start next Sunday on the 8th, and it's just a great time to do it since this is the beginning of the year. We'll kind of hit pause and kind of hit reset on everything. And so the purpose of this is, remember, we're, we want to be making disciples. Uh, we're not really interested in just making church attenders. We're not really interested in just getting warm bodies in the room. We're wanting to make disciples of Jesus Christ that are then making more disciples. And so what's usually not really uh, talked a lot about is that the root word of the word disciple is the word discipline, okay? And so in our world, we don't have a lot of space, a lot of room for discipline. We, we're all about freedom and self-expression um, rather than discipline and self-control, you know? And just look, just look for it, guys. In our world, one of our highest values is self-expression, you know, that you can start looking for, and I've seen it even in my uh, age, I'm, I'm not that old, but I've seen parenting even change, just in my 38 years, that I can watch three-year-olds screaming and running and beating on their mom, and they go, oh, he's just expressing himself. No, he's not. He, he is an undisciplined disaster, Right? Um, or you can see it also, and I'm not trying to pick on anyone, but you got, you got boys that are painting their nails and wearing dresses now and, and, and vice versa, and people say, well, he's just expressing himself. No, no, he's not. I mean, he's going against the created natural order. He's going against God's plan. You know, there is an element of uh, discipline and self-control that comes with freedom, right? And so, honestly, I feel like probably... The more I thought about this, uh, I feel like it's easier to get less disciplined as we get older. And this is why. Because as we get older, if you think about it, we get more freedom, don't we? Right? Like when I was a kid, and like I think back to my days of like college... And I really feel like I know what David meant when he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. You know that Psalm where David says that, restore to me the joy of my salvation. That there was a time when for some reason my faith felt more vibrant, it felt more alive, and it felt more real. And it feels like as I get older, if I'm not real careful, it can just become mundane and very, uh, just kind of, just run-of-the-mill every day and when I think about it think about this when I was younger I think I well I think we all had to live more disciplined lives you know what I mean there were certain things that it was like I cannot do that like even silly things like I had a curfew that I had to stick to now now that I'm an adult you know what I do I do anything I want you understand? Like I can stay out till three in the morning and I can still operate the next day. Um, when I was younger, I had to be really disciplined. And I'm thinking about in, when I was in college and early, early 20s, I had to be really disciplined with how I spent my money. Why is that? Because I didn't have any money. You know what I mean? Because I was working at Dillard's making $8.50 an hour and, and I had so little. And so I had to be extremely disciplined with that when I was younger I had to be extremely disciplined with my time because that was when I just think when I was going to college it was like you had to be here at this time you had to do this and everything was laid out for me and as we get older we experience more and more freedom right and with that freedom sometimes we can lose the art of discipline are you all with me on this and if you actually pay attention um to your scriptures, I mean, we are always encouraged to be men and women of discipline and men and women of uh, wisdom. And even the same thing with, I mean, I could go, I could go on and on. Um, when I was younger, you know, you had to be disciplined about even like drinking alcohol. Like I didn't drink before I was 21. I really didn't. But there was this, you know, there was this parameter around me that I can't do it. And then when I turned 21, I was like, well, I guess I can kind of now. And now you have all this freedom that you can kind of do what you want, right? Or, or the same thing with intimacy with relationships, right? There was this time before I was married that it really was like, and Kinsey and I saved ourselves, but we're like, man, this, we have to be disciplined. And now we get to walk in total freedom in that. And so do you see how life, as we get older, lends itself to less and less discipline? You all follow me on this, right? And it, even as I'm older, I can get away with being more um, I guess I can get away with being less disciplined and I can kind of write it off as, you know, like, oh, I've been real busy. You know, I can show up late to stuff. You know, I've just been super busy lately. I can be bad about calling people back. You know, right? This is just how kind of life works. Um, And in this way, I I can realize that becoming less disciplined in my life will result in being less disciplined in my faith. But man, there's disciplines of the faith that, again, we're never commanded to do these things, but they're expected of us. Right? We're not commanded, you will read your Bible. We're not commanded, you must pray. But these are expected disciplines. Some of the other disciplines of the faith are worship, our corporate worship coming together. And what I mean by that is, man, it is just so different when God's people come together right? That's one of the disciplines of the faith. And by the way, anyone would have loved to sleep in this morning? Huh? Right. Thank you for being honest. The rest of y'all bunch of liars. Okay. (laughs) No, but that's how, like, there is a discipline to corporate worship. And if you pay attention, the world is trying to tell you otherwise. The world, the religious world is trying to convince you. You don't have to come together. Just stay at a distance. Just do church online which I'll say constantly, there's no such thing as online church. It doesn't exist. It's a fake, false veneer. Um, some of the other disciplines of the faith are even meditating on scripture. One of the disciplines of the faith is confession to one another so that we can have healing. Another discipline of the faith is just solitude, is just getting by yourself, getting amongst silence where it's just you and the Lord. Another discipline of the faith is also fellowship, right? Isn't it interesting that one discipline is to make sure you're spending time by yourself? And then another discipline is, but make sure you're not spending only time by yourself. Make sure you're also fellowshipping with other believers, right? Other disciplines of the faith are Bible memorization, man, writing God's Word on your heart. Other disciplines of the faith. Even this, I read this, is celebration and joy, do you remember when we talked about when we lit our joy advent candle, we talked about how joy sometimes is a choice. And I had never heard that or thought about that, but it makes complete sense. One of the disciplines of the faith is choosing joy. Have you ever thought about that? And, and then choosing to celebrate. Like when you go look through the Old Testament, over and over and over, there are times where God would tell Israel, I want you to celebrate. Like, stop everything and i want you to party and the lord would say if you don't party i will kill you like this is a paraphrase but like literally it's in there he says if you don't stop and celebrate what's going on i am going to destroy you that's a discipline of the faith had anyone ever thought about that like is that is that tough for me yeah, like, why am I so grumpy and Scrooge-like all the time? That I'm, But this recognition of, man, to be disciplined enough to actually choose to celebrate rather than constantly pushing on towards greater progress, which is what our culture will tell you to do. And then the one we're going to talk about today is the discipline of fasting. And so, fasting is not r- talked about very often, uh, but in Scripture, you'll see fasting is always... Um, put right up there with prayer okay prayer and fasting and so remember fasting is not doing something a lot of the other disciplines are making sure you're having time to do this but fasting is going without something that we become completely accustomed to you know these are things that we don't even think about it but we're completely used to it that it's become a part of our routine and it really has become subconscious and um, really part of our second nature When I was in college, and I've told this story before, I drove this little car and I had my little radio and I had like a a subwoofer in the back and it wasn't expensive. I think I spent like a hundred bucks for it, the subwoofer and the amp. And so, and my car got broken into one night and they took my, all that stuff. I was like, oh man, shoot. And so I put another radio in it uh, like a week later and then my car got broken into again and that radio got stolen. And you'd think that like an idiot would, after a couple times, you'd figure out maybe you should get an alarm. And I was like, I'm not buying an alarm. You know what I'm buying? Another radio. And so I bought another radio or CD player or whatever it was. And this is my third one. And it gets broken into, it gets stolen. And so I really feel like this is the Lord saying, hey, Russell, you are addicted to noise. And I'm trying to break you of this. Right. And so after the third one got stolen, I was like, you know what, just forget it. And so I didn't buy another radio and I was like, it's going to get stolen anyways. So in my car where your radio was, there was just an empty space where my where there was just wires sticking out. And so the point being is I truly believe one of the greatest gifts God ever gave me was he got my radio stolen a bunch because I then had to detox from being addicted to noise and I didn't realize I was so addicted to it until the Lord took it from me because I noticed for weeks after, weeks after, every time I'd get in my car, you know how you have your routine when you get in your car, you do the exact same thing every time, you know what I mean, like seatbelt, this, that, blah, blah. I noticed when I got in, I would close my door and my car had one of those automatic seatbelts and so I closed my door and I'd start the car, oh, it was sweet, man. It was, And i start the car, and without even thinking, guess what my right hand did? For weeks, guys, it went down, and where the radio was, it would enter that cavernous hole where there's wires in there. And I'm not making this up. For weeks, I did that. Start my car, grab the seatbelt, and, oh. And I started to realize how addicted I had become to noise. And that the Lord, like, through, I guess it would be like a forced fast— he broke me of that and and introduced me to the discipline of solitude and silence. And now, like I hardly ever listen to the radio when we're driving, Kinsey and I, when we go on road trips, the radio doesn't even come on. And guys, it's beautiful. This what, this, and this is what I'm telling you, is that that's what, that's what fasting is, is we're going to refrain from a time from something that we are so accustomed to that we don't even think about it uh, whenever we go to do it. So... I've got this written down. Why should we fast? Uh, We'll look in Matthew chapter 6. Let's read here. We're going to start in, uh, we'll just start in verse 5. We'll start in verse 5. So, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 says, This is Jesus speaking. This is the Sermon on the Mount. He says, When you pray, Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Okay, so time out there. So Jesus is introducing prayer. Do you notice He is not spending His time convincing the disciples they need to pray? Do you see that? The assumption is you guys are going to be doing this. Do you see that? He doesn't tell them you need to pray. He says, no, I'm assuming that this is part of your life. I'm assuming this is one of the regular routines of every day. And then he sets some parameters. He says, hey, don't do it like this. Don't do it like this. Which, by the way, there is an incorrect way to pray. Months ago, I put it on Facebook, I said, Do you feel like there's a wrong way to pray? And so many people are like, No, you can pray however you want. Well, man, I just read the Bible where it just says, When you pray, don't do this. But, anyways, that was for free. And so the whole thing I want to point out is he's not convincing them to pray, he's assuming it's part of their life. Y'all see that? Okay, so now skip on to verse 16. Just the very next section. Look, the very first words are very similar to what he just said. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. So time out there. Did you know Jesus just said, hey, hypocrites are going to fast as well? Right? Okay. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they will have received their reward in full. So the point of fasting is not to go without food, okay? If we're going into a fast and your main objective is I want to not eat, but you don't have a purpose for it, friend, you're not fasting. You're just going hungry, okay? And that's what he says the hypocrites even do that. They go through the motions, and even they do it, He says, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay, so time out. I'm going to say the exact same thing I just said about prayer. Do you see how Jesus is not trying to convince them of the need of fasting? He is assuming it is part of their everyday life. Uh, walk Not every day, but you know what I mean. It's a part of their routine that this is something. And did you notice what two things are spoken of right next to each other? What did he just talk about? Prayer and then what? Fasting. So he's saying, man, when you're fasting, make sure you're doing it towards something that we're praying about. Again, if you're just fasting for the sake of I want to skip a meal, you're not fasting. You're just going hungry. But what we do is we fast to focus our attention on the Lord, to, to, to say no to something that we've become so accustomed to, that when your mind tells you, hey, I have to have this thing, instead of doing that things, we can try to focus our attention on, God, what do you, please, what do you have for us in this moment, right? Or, or pray, Lord, help me to memorize this scripture, or, or to pray, God, please give me direction in this area, or to pray, God, just make my heart and my my attentions towards you rather than things of the earth. Okay, so watch. We've just talked about prayer. We just talked about fasting. Look at the very next thing. And then he says this. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Okay, so time out. This is a lot I'm going through, I know. Notice, we're not called to not store up treasures. Do you see that? We are supposed to store up treasures, but we're supposed to store them up where? In heaven, in the right place. And, and so it's not an issue of what we're doing, it's an issue of where are our affections pointed. You see this? And so again, let's, let's just put it together. Jesus talks about prayer, He talks about fasting, and I believe it's those two things are for the purpose of God make sure that our affections are pointed at what? Towards heaven. Do you see that? And so I think we separate these a lot. We talk about, hey, don't store up treasures on earth. Don't store up treasures on earth. And we think that means, okay, don't buy a lot of things, which that's true. And it means don't, you know, don't worry about what happens on the world, which which that's true. But I think we're missing the point that the prerequisite to this is, man, let's spend time in prayer and fasting so that our hearts then will be pointed towards things of heaven. Right? Have you guys ever tried to do something for the Lord when your heart wasn't in it at all? Yes, you have. I don't even have to ask, right? Have you ever had your heart so hardened and you try to experience something that other Christians are enjoying, but there's no life in it? Y'all been there? Yes, you have, right? And so this is what the Lord's telling us as part of preparing our hearts is, man, we need to spend time in prayer and we need to spend time fasting from this thing or from something. So the reason this is, really difficult is because we live in a complete consumer culture y'all recognize that don't you like our culture is built on just consumption of things right and and in our culture and this is what public relations will tell you is we have made consumption regular and routine that it has become a part of our calendar can y'all think of some things that would maybe lend itself to this right? That built into our system, and I'm not, I'm not being anti-capitalist, but this is just how capitalism works, and you can go read the book on it. Built into the capitalist system is you try to create this machine that has to keep consuming, right? Can y'all think of anything that's really particular, right? Uh, anything like, like a Black Friday, right? That it has become a tradition in our culture to what? consume okay think about this what is thanksgiving about what's it all about consuming the meal no guys it's about being thankful right and how are we thankful by fighting by fighting off uh, strangers for 70 inch television right that's how we're thankful no um what about christmas hey surely christmas is about jesus right what's it about Consumption. Okay, what about some of the nice ones? What about Mother's Day? Surely that's where we... The whole purpose of Mother's Day is just to celebrate moms, right? Uh Uh-uh. It was invented for what? Consumption. Just to consume more and more. Uh, Your clothes that most of us are wearing now, you realize they're not actually designed to last a lifetime. You know that, right? Our clothes are manufactured so cheaply they are designed to wear out. Why? So you have to buy more, right? The printer ink in your um, uh, in your printer, do you really think they can't make that thing work? Come on, come on. How often do we replace that printer ink? That's a stupid example, but I mean it. Why do they sell us that? So we buy more. It's a culture of consumption. Like we need more and more and more. And the, the father of modern day... Um, public relations. His last name's Bernay. I can't remember his first name. In the 20s, he's, he started uh, the United States down this path of consumption, and he's the father of modern, modern day public relations. But at his time, he called it propaganda. He literally wrote a book on it called Propaganda. I'm not making this up. And the Nazi party took his book on propaganda and used it to push their agenda in Germany. Guys, I'm not making this up. Okay? And that's the father of modern day public relations. The father of modern day capitalism. And even in his book, I should have written down the quote, I should have, but he says something along the lines of the, the masses are not able to think by themselves. The, the, the goal of public relations is to think for them and to get them to think that they're thinking. His his goal was to get you, and by the way, it's the same today, to subconsciously want this thing that you don't really need. Do you think we live in a culture of consumption? Yeah, I'm going to repeat that last line. His goal was to get you to subconsciously, without thinking about it, want to consume more and more. Hey, the guy, I'm not making this up. The guy who, who wrote this, his uncle was... Sigmund Freud, I'm not making this up, the father of modern day psychology, right? That he was all about getting people to recognize, or not getting them recognized, but to study what people do subconsciously. His nephew is the guy that created this modern day propaganda, but he renamed it public relations because of what the Nazis did to it. Guys, I'm not making this up. Do you think we live in a culture of consumption? Yeah, right. When when I go out to eat, think about this. I am it is expected that I feel miserable when I leave. Y'all know what I mean? Like I am supposed to eat so much that I just feel gross. Has anyone else done that? And I realize that no, never. Not you guys. You guys don't at all. You guys are uh uh-uh. uh. Isn't that our culture? Man, and, and that's why this idea of actually refraining from something for the purpose of focusing on the Lord is so, so countercultural. Okay? Uh, you can look in Romans 12. I'll just read this real fast. I could go on, I could convince you more of our culture. <laughs> Not in a hurry. I'll send you, I mean, I'll send you this information about this guy and about modern day consumption and. <clears throat> So Romans chapter 12, verse one. this is Paul, he says, "Therefore, I urge you, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Look at verse two. "Do not what's the word? Conform any longer to the pattern of this world. So I won't spend any more time on it. Do you think our world is patterned for just consumption? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think every day we're one step closer to the movie (laughs) WALL-E? We really are. Right? And, And the world is being more and more packaged to where humans are thinking less, you know, is that we're not actually encouraged to think for ourselves, but if you look for it, what media does and marketing does is they prepackage these thoughts and they say, here's what I think. And, And the goal of some marketing is to, is to get me to accept what they say and say, well, therefore that's what I think. And they want us to arrive at a conclusion without actually having gone through the difficult process of thinking through it. Right. And so this is the pattern of our world, but, but Paul says, do not conform to that pattern. Instead, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve that what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. So that's why fasting is very foreign in our world. Um, it's very difficult for us, because we live in a world of excess. You know? We don't really want for much. And so remember, Scriptures tells us. We're not commanded to fast, but it's expected. Um, We're not really told a lot of how to fast, uh, but we want to focus on what our heart is doing while we're fasting. And then remember this, guys, fasting is never a punishment for sin. Okay. Um, But it's supposed to redirect our attentions and our affections. And so that email, I'll bring it all together here. That email I sent earlier this week as we're starting the new year, and in that email, I'm asking the church, we need to spend time in prayer and fasting, okay? And so when we talk about fasting, sometimes it does mean physical from food, but you can fast from all sorts of different things, you know? Some people, again, talk to your doctor. If it's not a good idea, then don't refrain from food. Um, other things you can fast from, Kenzie and I have talked about, we, you can fast from screens, We've done that in our household sometimes. We'll we'll, we'll say, hey, from Monday to Friday, we're not turning on a screen at all. There was one time we did it and we said no TV, but then we just ended up on the computer (laughs) every time. So So we had to narrow our parameters a little bit. But point being is that television has become such a common part of our culture. It's one of those things that, you know, I'd get in my car and I'd reach my hand in where my radio was. It's when we're at home, instinctively, when we get bored, what do we do? We'll just flick on the TV, or even just for background noise. So point being, you may consider with your family, hey, and you don't have to do the whole 40 days. You can do, hey, let's Monday to Friday, let's fast from screens. Let's not even touch them, you know, aside from what we have to do for work. And instead, let's pray for the Lord to answer what we need for our church. Um, you can fast from social media 100%. That's a really good one. You, you will be better off for that, I guarantee um, you can fast from. I've heard of people fasting from caffeine, or from coffee. I know that for some of y'all, you're avoiding eye contact. I knew you weren't going to look at me. I said, right? Some people do that for a couple days, and you you will have a couple some headaches, right? Uh, you can fast from. Um, Again, it can be long. It can be short. Even scripturally, it says husband and wife can fast from intimacy with one another to appoint their affections towards the Lord. Man, it can be anything. It can be anything. Um, And then the other thing to remember is it can be long or short. Um, I'd recommend you may try a 24-hour meal fast where you eat dinner at like 6 p.m., And then you don't eat again until that next night at 6. That's a 24-hour period, you know. And as you go throughout that day, your body will be subconsciously reminding you of this need that you you have. And instead, pray, Lord, give me strength. Point my affections towards you. That we're praying and fasting so that our hearts will be pointed towards uh, the things of heaven. Um, You can fast from... Um, just even drinks and only just drink water. You know, there's all sorts of different things you can fast from. I looked up a thing online. It was like, you can fast from gossiping and worry. And I'm like, no, that doesn't count. You're not supposed to gossip and worry. Like, but someone actually had that. I was like, no, that's the, like, that's terrible. Um, oh, in our house, we've also done a spending fast before. That's a, that's a really challenging one. I promise you, a spending fast that Kinsey and I would say, you know, from Monday to Friday, we'd say, we're not spending a dime other than putting gas in our car, and I think that was it. And you will realize how challenging it is that even the smallest little, oh, I'm thirsty, let me whip into Sonic and get a coat. Like, no, like, I'm not spending a dime. That's super challenging. And what it does is then it makes you dig deep into your pantry, and you will find, man, the Lord has given us a lot more than we actually need, right? Right? And so I'm really excited about this. And so the purpose of the, the fast for the 40 days of fasting and prayer for our church are those two big things we talked about is we need to be praying for like elders and leadership, okay? Specifically, we need... Ooh, my voice is cracked. We need to be praying for um, biblical elders. These are men that meet the qualifications for eldership as found in 1 Timothy and in Titus. And we need to be praying for... Uh, God, give us a heart for outreach and a heart for evangelism, right? And, and give us, give us the, the guts to do it and give us, the, 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 uh, give us a burden. Maybe that's our prayer. God, burden us for others, for other people. And so um, I'm excited about this. Those are my pieces of advice, man. Have a purpose. Um, another piece of advice, I'm looking what I have written down, try different kinds of fasting. Another piece of advice is start small. Okay, don't do a big, I'm not eating food for 10 days. If you've never done it, that's probably not wise. And then another piece of advice is consider how you, it will affect others. Um, if you've ever done like a juice cleanse or something, Kenzie and I learned this the hard way. We did a juice cleanse one time and, and the girls had gone to my parents or something and at about 24 hours in, we were at each other's throats. We were so mad. And like the tiniest things. You know. And we were like, what is the deal? And then we looked it up. Oh, yeah, one of the side effects of a juice cleanse is you get really short-tempered. And we're like, that would have been good to know. Um, but even that, it, as you're going into whatever type of fast the Lord calls you to, consider how it may affect those around you and, and have some extra grace for others. And so... And man, just be aware, just look around in our world of constant consumption, I believe this is why so many of us are, we're not really satisfied with the Lord, is because we have, we have found so much satisfaction in what the world gives us, that when we come to God, He's just kind of okay, right? So the last thing I'll say, there was a time when I was, I was in middle school, I was at my friend Josh's house. And his mom fed us. It was dinner time and I was staying over his house, but I was coming home that night and I didn't tell my mom that we were having dinner at Josh's house. And so I'm at Josh's house and his mom makes uh, spaghetti and bread or something and I can eat some spaghetti. So I put away, you know, I was in middle school. So I put away tons of this spaghetti and then I walk home. And again, I hadn't told my, my parents and my stepdad, Steve, had surprised us and he'd make he'd made filet mignons and baked potatoes and it was like a really nice thing that he'd done and so so notice and i go and i tell my mom i said mom i just ate at josh's house and i am stuffed and and i think this is when mom when steve and mom were still dating so steve was coming in and trying to do something really nice for the family and and she's like i don't care you will eat this steak and so i said (laughs) okay and so, and so notice, guys, don't miss this picture. Listen, did I eat the steak? Yes. Was it an excellently prepared steak and potatoes? Yeah, but listen, did it satisfy me like it should? It really didn't. And in fact, it almost, it almost made me nauseous. Are you all following me here? And, and you wonder why when we come to the Lord, why sometimes it's not that satisfying is I feel like we have filled ourselves up with the things of the, of the world. And then we show up and we give the Lord our leftovers. And we say, hey, come on. And he says, man, I am here, but you have already satisfied yourself on spaghetti and bread. And I am the filet mignon and that's why you're not satisfied with me. And so that's one of my prayers is that as we fast, that it would ignite a hunger for the Lord for us. Right? Amen. Right? Um, I think that's all I need to say about that. So, man, go through this with prayer. Um, go through with a partner. Feel free to talk with one, or, one another about it. You know, check with your doctor about what you should or shouldn't be doing. I, I imagine you won't. Yes. <laughs> Not from food, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and again, I'm honestly, I'm really excited. I want to see what the Lord does, um, and we'll kind of revisit it a couple times. And 40 days, I think that gives us like five or six Sundays or something like that. And um, we'll see what God has for us. So that's all I have to say. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your truth, and thank you for your word. And God, I pray that we would be people of, yes... And that we would be people of, dare I say it, discipline. And that yes, we are people of grace and mercy and forgiveness, but that we'd also be people that we do what we say we're going to do. And, and that we're people of uh, prayer and scripture and worship and fasting and confessing and solitude and fellowship and, and that we'd be people of celebration and joy and, and everything. And that we would make these things a priority, and that we would choose these things, because it's what's best, that we would trust you as our Father, that, that we would trust you as our Father, that when you say this is for your good, that we would just simply say, okay, I, I can do that, Lord. And so this is our prayer. Help us to reach out to one another, reach out to those that we're not here today, and realize that we are your hands and feet, we are the light of the world. So this is our prayer, Amen.